You're listening to The Top Floor, a podcast featuring critical conversations around property management, community associations, and real estate investing. I'm your host, Sean Forster, an industry trend researcher at Appfolio. Once a month, we embark on a narrative journey into the height of industry disruption. And with the help of thought leaders and changemakers, we bring you the insider knowledge that's fueling our industry's future. Now let's turn it over to Megan, who will take us through today's episode. When's the last time you audited your property management company's maintenance request process, including inspections and procurement? For many, outside of a list of preferred contractors, there may not even be a process, which can have real consequences on a company's net operating income, as maintenance costs can be some of the most difficult to control. Proper maintenance means regularly incurring hard costs, including people, time, and materials but it can be difficult for growing teams to accurately anticipate these costs and take the steps needed to streamline where possible. Without a process or thoughtful planning, how would your team know if they're overpaying on parts and labor to replace a leaky faucet or how well they're satisfying service requests? Today on the top floor, we're investigating the relationship between maintenance costs and NOI. Why are so many organizations missing opportunities to reduce expenses? And what solutions are out there? Kicking off this conversation is Melissa Palmer. So I'm Melissa Palmer. I am the business development manager for Grace Hill. I manage all of our strategic partnerships. And basically that just means we are looking for companies that work together with us on content, uh, technology integrations, subject matter experts, that, those types of things that we can put better programs together for our client base. So let's start with what might be an obvious question. What exactly is the relationship between maintenance and net operating income? Yeah, it's such a broad question, but really the easy answer is that no matter what kind of maintenance program you have, it's going to affect your net operating income. So for example, if you don't have any kind of preventive maintenance program, Uh, specifically like changing AC filters, checking Freon. Companies are going to end up spending more capital dollars on replacements and other costly repairs uh, that could have easily been avoided if they would have checked those units periodically. So there really is, it's a broad question, but you end up saving money in the long run if you have a good preventive maintenance program. That's a great question. In fact, I think Many people don't think of the two as going hand in hand as much as they probably should. Speaking is Stephanie Anderson, the Senior Director of Content Strategy over at Grace Hill. Additionally, she was the Industry Operations Manager at the National Apartment Association. When we think of NOI, it's a calculation used to analyze the profitability of income-generating real estate investments. So to calculate NOI, we're going to subtract the operating expenses from the revenue generated by any property. So operating expenses include all of the costs associated with operating the property, which of course maintenance is a large part of. Maintenance expenses can prove to be the most difficult to control hard cost. While property managers and other leadership individuals are trained on financials, maintenance is often left out leaving a lack of knowledge for how they work greatly um, together to affect the bottom line. 
maintenance technicians often don't understand how the small choices they make on a day-to-day basis add up and affect the company's bottom line. But do C-suite leaders understand the impact of maintenance costs? I think that they're aware. I mean, obviously, they're intelligent people. They've gotten to their place in life um, because of that. Uh, But I think sometimes they're far removed from everyday details that affect a property's NOI. They're looking at the budgets and they're looking at the bottom line, but they're not really deep in the weeds of how to help a property in that area or why they're over maybe in a specific category. And here's Stephanie. Ooh, okay, so this is a good question. I think from a financial perspective, C-suite leaders understand how maintenance costs affect the bottom line. They're looking at it on a statement. They obviously can do math, and I think that they have a good understanding of that. Where I think it gets to be a little bit of a gray area is when there's concerns over a company, let's say their bonus structure that they have in place, and it's specifically based off of NOI numbers. This is where corners seem to be cut in the maintenance department when numbers need to be decreased for expenses. And that then leads to deferred maintenance and lack of asset preservation. So yes, I think they have an understanding of it, but sometimes it's hard when you're not physically in those shoes doing that position day in and day out to fully understand how cutting a corner or reducing an expense can really grandly affect the bigger picture of things. Clearly, maintenance can be one of the most challenging costs to control. But why is that? (laughs) I always like to say you can plan for everything and still miss something. Repairs are going to be estimated. Uh, You know, cost of supplies change. Uh, Emergencies come up that could require additional contractors. I always think about emergencies that happen in the middle of the night or on the weekends, and there's additional costs like on-call fees for late nights and things like that that we don't necessarily budget into. Outside of unforeseen costs, there's another factor that makes maintenance difficult to tamp down. This one's a bit more big picture and abstract, so we'll let Stephanie do the explaining. There's also a really big lack of proper training in the industry. Qualified technical ability is not necessarily paid as what it should be in our industry when you compare it to other industries. So when you think about those that are in the mechanical field, plumbing, and so forth, they then come into our industry. We expect them to either have those certifications already or basic understanding of training. When they go to these other companies, they're paid a higher rate for that. So I think the training goes along with it, with paying higher, the whole conversation of staff versus contract. That's always a big one, too, which is really hard to determine. If your teams are trained properly, can they then make informed decisions on whether a staff member should complete a diagnose or repair versus a contractor? And what are the implications for cost for both of those? So you can kind of see that there's a lot of variables that happen um, based on each little decision that's made that could then add up to a larger cost. So by now we can see how missed opportunities to control maintenance costs are also missed opportunities to improve net operating income. So what are the solutions? How can property managers rein in these maintenance processes? Here are Stephanie's top three suggestions. Number one, 
Obviously, I think training's a big thing. I kind of mentioned it earlier. You know, in order to complete repairs, you have to have right training in place for your staff. And not just the right initial training, but continuous ongoing training. Because if employees switch properties or you get new systems in places like appliances or HVAC systems, you have to be able to continue that ongoing knowledge for your team so that they understand the difference in services for each product that they have. So having well-trained staff will not only help the maintenance teams to diagnose repairs easier, but it saves money when we can know to replace a part instead of an entire item. Or again, when I mentioned earlier, if you can fix things in-house versus calling a contractor, those things are definitely going to save money. Number two. I would say the second thing would probably be turnover expenses. Turnover is something that is really expensive in general, which is why we always focus on resident satisfaction, because if we can keep a resident there, we're really not having that extra expense of turnover. But when I say turnover expenses, let's just kind of focus on carpet and paint, for example. So determine what could be done in-house versus a contractor. So do you have a painter on staff or do you have a contractor that comes in to paint and who supplies the paint? Can we supply it at a national level and get a discount on that? Or are we paying the painter who may be a smaller company to then purchase the paint at a higher rate and then bring it in? Here's an expert tip. Don't wait until the last minute to discover what needs to be fixed. Once you've got a move out date, start planning inspecting apartments prior to a resident moving out. That's a big thing, knowing in advance what needs to be done in the apartment for the pending turnover before it's actually in the turnover stages. That's really big with vacancy costs because why would you not want to fix something when a resident is currently living there versus when you're no longer collecting rent on the apartment because it's now vacant? So there's all these different pending questions you have with turnover, but ultimately I think when when you start to look at your turnover expenses and the hard cost, you'll also then think about expenses like replacement cost in the future, vacancy cost, and future resident turnover. So it's important to to really dig into that a little bit more. And number three. And then I would probably say the final thing would be energy efficient appliances. This is kind of a tricky one because oftentimes we will hear companies or owners be extremely hesitant about reviewing the cost of energy efficient upgrades because they're looking solely at the initial capital required to do that investment. But you have to think about it as an investment. So while it can feel counterintuitive to spend more to decrease your cost in the long run, it's exactly what you're doing when you're going forward with energy efficient appliances or even any of the smart home technology that's out there. Among solutions for better managing maintenance costs, implementing a procurement strategy can also lead to big savings. But as Melissa Palmer points out, there are three big overarching things you should consider when designing your strategy. So giving the brief overview, really it consists of about three overarching things. And so one would be negotiating supplier contracts across all of your portfolio. So this really allows you economies of scale and discounts for volume purchasing. And if we can kind of adopt that same philosophy when we are thinking of purchasing with multifamily properties, it's it's very similar. The second thing would be standardizing products. So when companies have multiple properties across the country, they might think that they're not able to get those economies of scale. 
Um, however, it's not true. So, you know, you can use the same flooring, you can use the same paint, generally speaking, across all 50 states. So standardizing is definitely going to save time in decision making for your property teams, as well as giving you that negotiating power with the supplier partner. So, and then thirdly, I would say compliance and follow-up is, is huge. You can implement these programs all day long, but if you don't have any follow-up or understanding if the properties are doing what you want them to do, uh, you're not going to save any, any money. So, you know, my advice in this area would be to work closely with the supplier partners on reporting. And then it, also, if you're working with another group purchasing organization, they can help you with reporting to make sure that you're, you're auditing usage and compliance. At face value, procurement is such a powerful way to bring down hard costs related to maintenance. So why don't all property management companies have a consistent strategy for procurement? That's a great question, Megan. So probably two major ones, but one is, you know, there's a high turnover uh, in property management. And so you've got managers that come in or regional managers that come in and they have their own way of doing things. And so they might think they could do a little bit better than what has been uh, implemented with a company. And so many times because of turnover, those programs get left behind. So somebody will come in and bring in their own suppliers and, and things like that. So I think that a big thing is going to be training, onboarding new employees, and having a clear and concise training and onboarding plan so that those new people coming in know that you have that plan and that they don't have to bring in their own ideas or supplier partners. You have a purchasing guide. You have those types of things that are already embedded in your company's policies and procedures. And so it's very clear that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can use what has already been put in place for them. That's the biggest thing. And the other thing is pay your bills on time. So I think that if you have any issues with paying invoices, it can cause accounts to be shut off. And so then properties have to scramble and maybe they have to go down the street to the hardware store and pay three times the price for something that they had already negotiated a price on. Stephanie and Melissa have both shared some great ways you can start bringing down operational costs at your properties. Developing a procurement strategy, better training, and even energy-efficient appliances. But one area we haven't covered yet is the value of more frequent, proactive inspections. Generally speaking, maintenance teams tend to be stretched thin, so aligning workers and residents behind more inspections, which, let's face it, require a ton more coordination, feels like a hard sell. But cracking the code and getting a handle on maintenance costs requires greater visibility into a property's material needs. That's a challenge for any team. Traditionally, it's up to residents to submit a work order when something needs fixing. But a majority of your residents don't have expertise in things like electrical work, plumbing, and so on, and they might fail to report issues which aren't discovered until they move out, which means it might take more time to turn that unit for the next resident. Not to mention, unnoticed issues might become worse over time and more expensive to fix than if they had been caught early. So reining in unwieldy maintenance costs also requires that teams become more hands-on with their properties, empowering them to anticipate upcoming expenses and provide preventive maintenance. Here's Stephanie. 
It's really about planning for time, planning for resources, and planning for expenses. So for instance, I mentioned earlier pre-move out inspections. You're getting a firsthand opportunity to go into an apartment with a resident present, let them know up front what items are going to be charged for, for anything that's self-induced outside of minor wear and tear. And it's really impactful that you are able to start planning the process before the resident ever moves out. So if cabinets need to be replaced, if car Carpet, countertops, a lot of things that take more money and take more time in the turnover process, you can really start to plan that out. Then you can notify your teams to have a more accurate representation of when someone could actually move into that apartment. That way, you're losing less vacancy cost. And you know, maintenance inspections in general, not just pre-move out, but if you're doing quarterly inspections, it's an opportunity to make additional revenue for your company. Are you seeing pets or additional occupants in the home that shouldn't be? And then I think that it just helps you to preserve the asset long-term. So when you go into budgeting season for your next year, you really want to come forward with notable expenses that you feel like are really gonna impact your budget so that you can plan accordingly for that. And of course, you're never gonna prevent everything. When you think about your bottom line for NOI, it is difficult to predict it, but the more prepared you are with your planning through things like inspections, you're really gonna set yourself up for success. These benefits affect the bottom line of your business. But in order to realize them, your whole team, including on-site technicians, needs to understand and embrace these changes. Here are some tips to align your whole organization behind more proactive inspections. Oftentimes, I think we get into a culture of we do a task to say we've completed it and to check a box. And while that is important from the compliance side, it's not realistic when they understand the grand scheme of things when we talk about financials and NOI. It's really important to explain to them that if they're not doing these things, this is what the repercussions are. And those repercussions later lead to issues with deferred maintenance, issues with the asset not being preserved, issues that then turn around to we can't lease the apartment because there's too many problems, or we've deferred maintenance too long where we don't have enough capital in the bank to pay for these repairs. When you start to really dig in and explain it to the teams, um, I think it does help them to understand the importance. And I think that you need to set deadlines too for the teams. So instead of just leaving it open-ended as to what type of inspections they do and when, it's important to say, okay, we're going to do an, an exterior building inspection. It needs to be done by the 30th of every month. When you set clear expectations for the team, they know that they have X amount of time to do the task at hand. So if you don't say, okay, you have to just do it on this specific day, you don't overwhelm the teams with the thought of, oh no, I had an emergency leak and a fire and all these other things going on. There's no way I could get to it. Instead, you're saying, okay, plan accordingly. You work your schedule out to make sure that that you can get these inspections done in this period of time and then make sure you're documenting those results so that others can go back and look, not for just the compliance side, but when they start thinking about that data we spoke about earlier and how we look at that data to make informed decisions moving forward. Sounds like a ton of coordination, right? But stay with us. We can't stress enough that better managing maintenance costs begins by gaining greater visibility into property's needs, which stems from your teams becoming more hands-on. But your staff can't be everywhere at once, and growing headcount costs doesn't help if your goal is to drive NOI. To accomplish more, 
with the people you already have in place. Instead, teams can enhance their communication on how information travels from one party to another, closing gaps between properties and your team. We're speaking, of course, of digitizing the maintenance process. Here, Stephanie highlights a few of the benefits, starting from your resident's perspective. I think that when you digitize service requests in general, there's an opportunity to also allow it sort of like a resident portal so that residents can enter it on their own without having to wait and call the office during office hours. So if at 1130 at night, I notice that there's an issue in my apartment, I don't have to email a staff member or leave a message for their office. I can actually just enter it on a resident portal. Um, So that is a great way when we think about technology. I think outside of that too, when we talk about follow-up, I think it's so important for residents to know if I'm at work all day and I'm not in the apartment, it's great for me to be able to get some sort of notification in whatever capacity that looks like for your technology to let me know that someone actually came and addressed the issue in my apartment or someone did come, but there's a part on order or even following up with a survey, so to speak, of you know, how was this done to your satisfaction? To me, that technology allows residents kind of the inside look at what's happening and communication is truly what they really want for resident satisfaction. So it just makes sense. Clearly, online systems offer benefits for residents, but it goes beyond that. Companies who aren't taking advantage of technology platforms to digitize their work order process are actually leaving money on the table. Believe it or not, there are still owners and management companies out there that are not using a technology platform for their service request. It's really important when updating your service request process to include technology as a partner on that and to make that a standard in place. It's important when we think about not just putting in the service request and thinking about how it gets to the team member to then go and repair or fix an issue. So that means that if we find out more information about Ms. Smith's apartment issue, you can go back in and add that into the system at any time versus searching for a piece of paper to add it to it. So that means that your office staff can gain as much information as possible to then be able to share it with the maintenance team so that they can efficiently go to an apartment with the tools that they need or the information at hand that they need to be able to make the most of their time while they're in there. Now, outside of that, there is really important data that we can analyze when using a technology platform. We can think about how many service requests are we doing on a given day? How long are they staying open? Are there any critical issues in terms of resource and maintenance team members and how much they have on their plates and how much we're contracting items out? Again, it kind of all goes back down to we need to look at our teams, our staff, how much we're putting on them and see where we can make changes uh, moving forward. And I think the first step to doing that is really to set up what your standard policy is as a company to what is classified as an emergency. So if your toilet is clogged and you have a three bathroom apartment, then no, that's not an emergency, right? Because you have two other working toilets. If your air conditioning goes out, but it's 30 degrees that night, no, that wouldn't be an emergency. So I think having a set list and that way there's no gray area. When the maintenance technician receives a phone call from a resident saying that there's an emergency, it's very easy for them to say, yes, 
yes or no. It's not, oh, let me check with my manager or, oh, well, you know, it's midnight. Let me see if I can get out there. It's, yes, there's a flood in the apartment. That's required for me to go out. I'll be there within 30 minutes. Or, no, you you have an issue, again, with a toilet that's not working, but you do have another toilet that you can use and will be by during regular business hours the following day. So I think that that standardized list really just takes out any questionable areas and allows everyone to be on the same page, mostly too, where you can notify residents when they first move in as part of their leasing process to give them a copy of what's classified as an emergency and so that they have an understanding going into it, what that expectation is, and then they can make plans accordingly. Standardization of the service request process is major. Having these lists in place empowers teams to respond to situations more efficiently within the guidelines of company policies and to quickly discern what is or is not an emergency to better serve residents. But standardization also has benefits when it comes to data and insight. As anyone who has ever run a report can tell you, gathering clean data is a near constant struggle. Here, automation makes a big difference. Guiding us into this discussion is Rob Galligan, Appfolio's Director of Maintenance Services. Rob highlighted how an automated service request process eliminates redundant tasks, creates a consistent process, and standardizes data from work orders. And so by standardization, I mean not only how the work order is written, how it's formatted, but that is definitely an outcome. It might sound a little simple, but... If these work orders are not consistently formatted, it just opens up a lot of opportunity for error or lack of understanding from whoever's reading it, and that can lead to a bad outcome. And just being able to automate, to be able to have a standard and consistent process is what's really going to be able to, one, diagnose the problem correctly, because there's not a lot of margin of error when there's fire or catastrophic flooding. It needs to get done correctly. So you reduce the margin of error, but then you also have a very consistent process to follow. And ultimately, it's ensuring that the maintenance that is going to get done happens timely, in a timely way, and that it happens in the correct way. In addition to automation, machine learning that improves that automation continuously. And by machine learning, I I guess I'll caveat that We'll still always have humans as the agent on the other end of the phone, on the other end of the text, reading the portal. But with machine learning, they're being given basically a second set of eyes. And so that second set of eyes is going to help them say like, hey, this should be classified as urgent because of X, Y, Z. And so for a human who's just dealing with many, many maintenance orders or work orders every day, they can get maybe a little fatigued. And so having kind of that consistency and that second set of eyes to help them do that, being able to prompt that this is a faucet issue and they should check X, Y, and Z, they may forget that. But with our system, it's always going to prompt it. And so that's a huge value add and I think a huge booster to to NOI. But then also having a lot of pieces automated after that whole process, once the work order is created being able to automatically email or um, automatically text people both internally at the company that can handle the maintenance, external vendors is, is much faster, it's much more efficient. And other features we have that are being introduced are new avenues for communication. And by this, I mean, when a work order will enable kind of a SMS conversation between the resident 
the vendor and the property manager. And what I really think is great about that is it kind of puts the onus of, of the work on the resident who wants to have it done as quickly as possible and the vendor who wants to get the work done as quickly as possible because the faster they do the work, the faster they get paid. And so really aligning incentives to for scheduling, not putting the burden on the property manager who has a lot of other things going on, but still allowing visibility for them to see what's going on and kind of interject or intervene if there are problems that require their attention. At so many companies, there isn't a robust conversation about the relationship of maintenance expenses and NOI. With so much work needed to keep properties running day-to-day, it's easy to overlook opportunities to improve communication between teams, improve training and hiring practices, and even implement procurement strategies that can lead to big savings. These changes will all require a shift to long-term thinking, starting from the top down. For example, let's think back to that leaky faucet we brought up in the beginning. To understand the true cost of not fixing it, it's important to keep in mind long-term expenses, such as those stemming from resident turnover because residents were dissatisfied from a troublesome work order process. By using some of the strategies we've covered today, such as shifting your team's mindset to start thinking about the big picture when it comes to maintenance, and thoughtfully introducing technology to support this vision, you can begin to affect your company's bottom line and your residents' experiences. Special thanks to our guests, Stephanie Anderson and Melissa Palmer of Grace Hill, as well as Appfolio's Director of Maintenance Services, Rob Galligan. And thank you for joining us on The Top Floor. Thanks for listening to The Top Floor. For more property management insights, visit us at appfolio.com. And don't forget to subscribe to The Top Floor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We'll see you next time.